Hey, let's get our notes out and we're gonna roll really quick today. We're gonna be a little bit different in that. Uh, we're in this series that we come to at the Easter season every year. And we just come back and remind you of the four key principles that we build Transformation Church around. It's the four promises that God gave the Israelites in Exodus 6, 6 and 7, and he's given them to the church today. And we feel that everything at Transformation Church is built around these four steps. Uh, we don't do anything. We, we removed a lot of things we were doing. We've added things to add more depth to these four promises that will help you as an individual and then as a family and then us as a corporate family to see these four promises fulfilled in every one of our lives. And they are number one, to know God. Number two is to find freedom, and we've discussed those two. And then last week we started number three, and that is to discover our purpose. And then we'll go into after Mother's Day. Next week, Mother's Day, bring your moms. All moms show up. We got a special gift for you, and I'm gonna preach a special message to our moms. And then we'll come back to promise number four, and that is making a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're gonna come back to discover purpose, though we talked about it last Sunday. We feel a great need to come back to this one because only 13% of the church world today ever enters into this promise. They stay stuck in promise number two. 87% of the church stays stuck in trying to figure out their freedom, never feeling good enough to be a Christian, never feeling qualified for God to do anything in their life, and they never come into their purpose. And let me go ahead and say this to you. Many, and some of you listening to me right now, are waiting for a complete freedom before you feel like you're ready to start operating in your purpose. Let me go ahead and give you a secret to your success. When you enter into your purpose, you will see your freedom demonstrated. I'm letting that sink in. How many's found this out in business? You don't find the wealth until you take the step of the risk. Come on, somebody. How many's found out with marriage? We'll get married when we can afford it. You will die single. You bite the bullet and take the chance, and here we go. Come on, somebody. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. God did not part the Red Sea until Moses stuck his foot in it. And many of you are waiting for total freedom before you think God wants to start doing something with you. He chose 12 men that weren't sanctified at that time and never did get completely sanctified. They still wanted to cut off people's ears and burn cities to the ground where they wouldn't let Jesus sleep there. And I mean, they still had some flesh going on, but Jesus went ahead and connected them with their purpose before they got all their freedom stuff straightened out. And when you begin to connect with your purpose, I'm not saying a habitual lifestyle of sin, I'm talking about I've given my life to Jesus and now I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Don't wait until you feel like you're qualified to let Jesus start using you. The moment you said yes to him, you became qualified. Come on, thank God for the righteousness of Jesus, amen? And so I didn't say all that in the first service, so somebody needed that in this one, but I want you to get it today that, that don't get stuck in the freedom mode and never come into your purpose. Start understanding your purpose and you will find your freedom. And so let's go to our, our text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anybody here in Christ, old passed away, all things become new. The new creation has come. That means you're already new. If you said yes to Jesus, there's already a new you. 
Nothing else needs to take place for there to be a new you. The old is gone and the new is here. And so I want us to look at this today. I'm gonna do something I don't normally do, but I'm gonna be very repetitious today that if you've been here for over a year, you've heard everything I'm gonna preach today. I've gone and pulled from about six different messages that I preached and pulled some points because I wanna come back and bring back a memory and just kind of re rehearse some things that we've already taught you because how many knows repetition brings learning? And I, I don't wanna just try to come with everything new. I wanna come and rehearse some things that we've already shared with you, all right? Let's go to James chapter two. And I want us to begin to look at what is my ultimate purpose. We're talking about discovering purpose. Promise number three, God's got purpose for your life. Once you know him, you're finding freedom. He wants you to begin to discover your purpose. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but they have no deeds or no works? Faith without works is dead. Can such faith save them? God's saying, if you do not have deeds connected to your faith, are you even really saved? Hmm. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but you don't do anything about their physical situation, what good is it? I mean, he's had the, go on, trust God, he'll take care of you. Well, how about you helping him right now? Come on, anybody been there? Call me if you need me. Okay, I'm calling you. In the same way, God says, it's just like if you've got faith by itself and you don't add works to it, your faith is dead. It means no more than you telling someone that has the need, go your way everything's going to be all right and you don't help their need, you've assisted them with nothing. And God is saying the same with us that if I have faith, but I'm not a, a, a putting my action to it, I'm not putting my passion to it, I'm not putting my purpose to it, he said it has no meaning whatsoever, it's dead. And so the word purpose means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. There's a reason and I wanna to talk to you today about three areas of purpose that God wants us to do on purpose, intentional. And when we understand these three areas, I promise you, I promise you, look at me for a second. Your pastor promises you, if you connect to these three areas of purpose, you will see the freedom begin to take place in your life and you will start fulfilling your purpose and you're gonna put action with your faith and you're gonna make a difference in a whole lot of people's lives in Jesus' name, I promise you. Amen? How many of you hear what I've gotta to say today? All right, number one, on purpose, intentionally, the purpose of our worship. The purpose of our worship. Why, why do we worship? We worship to honor God. Faith without works is dead and worship without purpose has no meaning. But when we understand the purpose of our worship, we will do it differently. When we understand the intent of our worship, John the Revelator put it like this. He said, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. John said, I got a glimpse of heaven 
and I saw the angels and I saw the prophets of old and I saw the faith heroes that are there. I saw the multiple millions that are already there in the presence of the Lord and guess what they were doing? Day and night, they were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It never ceased, worship never stopped in heaven and it wasn't pretty worship. It was worship that had energy and life and expression. He said they were bowing low, they were crying out, they were waving their arms as willow branches, they were exalting him and crying out, holy It's the Lord God. They were intentional. They had purpose in their worship in heaven. And if there's purpose for worship in heaven, there's, there's intent and purpose for worship on earth. And so Jesus gives us seven expressions of worship in the Old Testament. They're on your notes. I'm not gonna bore you with all the Hebrew words and try to look intelligent. Just follow with me and I'm gonna go through them very quickly. But Jesus gave us an, a detailed description of what our worship should look like whenever we come in his presence because he wants us to worship on purpose. Our worship should be intentional that we come before the king and here's what he said, number one. He said, your worship, it means to kneel down or to bow. The psalmist said, come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And that may happen at home in more of a private time. It may happen here on a Sunday morning when worship gets so intense in your life and, and you just feel to go on a knee and just work, whatever. But that's one expression that Jesus said, when you worship me, do it intentional. And one expression I love to see is when you bow before me as the king. He said to lay prostrate, to bow down, to lay flat. The psalmist said, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. It means to sing a new song, a spontaneous praise, glorifying God in song. The psalmist again said, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. God said it means an extension of the hand, an adoration, a sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving. The psalmist said, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. He said, I love it when you hold out the hand to throw out or away, continual extending of hands and praise and thanksgiving, to clap, to shout aloud with a voice of joy. God is giving us some descriptive images of what he wants our worship to look like. The psalmist said, oh, clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with a voice of joy. He said, your worship should be a place of celebration and song and music. Where again, the psalmist said, I will sing a new song to you, my God. On 10 string instruments, I will make music to you. What is God saying? God's saying, this is what I want from you. This is what your worship should look like to me. Your worship should be on purpose. It should be intentional. And when we gather here on Sunday mornings, worship shouldn't look like this. Good to see you. That shouldn't be our worship. We came on purpose to worship the God who changed and transforms our life. How many in here can acknowledge right now, if God had not entered into my life, it would not be where it is right now. 
I may not be where I want to be yet, but thank God I'm not where I could be and would be had God not interrupted my journey. And listen, when they come to see the Pope, they show up days in advance. Hundreds of thousands will come. They don't have a chair. They stand. For days, they stand in anticipation to just get to look at him just for a moment. And when he walks out on that podium, tears fill their eyes. They're in awe that they're looking at the Pope and he's a mere man. But today, we came to assemble together to acknowledge the king above all kings, the Lord that's above all lords. He's greater than monarchs. He's greater than popes. He's greater than presidents. He's the king. And he said, when you come, Come on purpose and come with an intentional praise that I'm going to clap my hands whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to lift my hands in adoration unto your name. I know, I know some of you are new and I don't mean this to be ugly and I don't expect anything from you. I'm just saying come on in anyhow. And if you're a little uncomfortable, just move your fingers a little bit. Just, just get them going some. You know, you don't have to let nobody see you. And long after a while, God's going to get a hold of you in a few weeks or a few months and, and you'll get it up there. You, you, you'll get it up there. He'll be so good to you, you can't help it. You'll get it up there a little bit. And, and before you know it, you'll have both of them up there a little bit. And, and, and I know you're quiet and I know you're a little passive and, and you're not real expressive. But when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. I, gotta, I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't help it. I got to praise him. I can't help it. I know it looks kind of crazy, but I can't help it. He's been too good to me to not praise him with everything that I've got inside of me. And he said, that's what I want from you, but I want it on purpose. I want you to be intentional because when you praise me, you're purposefully and you're intentionally giving honor to me. And when you come in here on Sunday mornings, if they can do it for the Pope for days, I just want to encourage this pastor, don't come in here five minutes after we've started. Come in here 15 minutes before we start. Get you a cup of coffee. Go around and greet some people. Get ready and say, we're getting ready to worship the king. We're getting ready to worship the king. We're getting ready to give some praise in this house. There's something about to happen in here. If they can come three days early for the Pope, we can come 15 minutes for the king. You hear what I'm saying? And come in here on purpose. I'm not here because it's Sunday. I'm here because I came to worship the one who has transformed and changed my life forever. Forever and ever. Come on, can I get amen from the house today? Be intentional, intentional with your worship. Number two, there's the purpose of our worship and that's to honor God, but then there's the purpose of our gifts. That's to impact his kingdom, our worship corporately so that we can honor God. And you may do that individually at home in your living room. But be intent and purposeful with your worship, but then our purpose of our gifts is to impact the kingdom. First of all is our talents and our passions. Matthew 25, we see the story very familiar. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his wealth to them. One, he gave five bags or talents. To another, he gave two bags or talents. And to another, one bag, each, and say this with me, each according to his ability. God's never gonna ask from you what you can't give. And many of us have disqualified ourselves like the one who had one bag, he didn't do anything. The one that God gave five bags, he went out and doubled it. The one he gave two talents, he went out and doubled it. 
The one that he gave one, he saw what the other two had. He felt insecure. He went and dug a hole and buried it. He didn't feel as important. He didn't feel as qualified. He went and buried his. And God cursed him when he came back and gave his to the one that had five. Because he was comparing himself to what other people had and what they were doing. God doesn't want you to judge what you're doing. God's not going to judge you one day in heaven by what you did next to somebody else. He wants to know what did you do with what I gave you. What did you do with the talent that I gave you? What, what did you do with that? How did you impact my kingdom? I, I never made $100,000 a year, God, so I didn't give. God's going, what did you give out of what I did give you? Well, God, I, I, I didn't serve at the door because I, I just wanted to know, could you shake somebody's hand at the front door and welcome them? That's all I ask you. I didn't ask you to pray. How many's glad, God? How many's glad that I'm not gonna call you this week and go, you're preaching next Sunday? Come on, anybody happy about that right now? Because that's not what he asked you to do. But he's saying, I've given you gifts, I've given you talents, but I want you to purposefully, I want you to intentionally use what I put within you to impact others in the kingdom, to make a difference. And he said, according to your ability. And you see, when you connect with your spiritual gift, and if you don't know what that is or you're not sure, come out tonight to Grow Track because we start Grow Track 101 for three Sunday nights. If you've never been to our Grow Track, please come tonight at a quarter till six. We'll feed you a great meal. We're right in lobby number two. We've got child care. We've got food for your children. We've got food for you. And then at six o'clock, I'm gonna start sharing with you. And for the next three Sunday nights only, if you'll commit those three Sunday nights, you will know your spiritual gifts. You will know your natural gifts. And we're gonna help you succeed in walking out your purpose and God's plan for your life. We wanna see you blessed. But God's saying, I've given you these gifts. I've given you these passions and, and that can vary. What, what is my, how many's thankful for a team up here that can sing? See, you don't want me to do that. That's not my gift. You don't want me on that keyboard. It will not sound like Anthony. But they have a gift. And so God's calling them to use their gifts. Some of your gifts are fishing. You love to fish. Some of you cook. Some of you love to work out. Some of you like to greet at the door. Some of you love children. So, some of you love music. Some of you love technology. You don't want me on a tag. You don't want me on a computer. It's not gonna work out good. I get my 12-year-old granddaughter to fix mine when it's not working right. But we all have gifts and God's saying, when you identify that gift, number one, you'll be good at it. I watched some of our people doing a CrossFit competition yesterday and they were good. I was praying for them because I ain't doing it. I was like, bless Sam, Lord. Just bless him, Lord. Just, just bless him, Lord. Just get Jenna, God. Just give her strength supernatural because I ain't doing it. That's not my gift or my desire. Put me in a deer stand and put a bow in my hand and I'm not missing because I'm good, because that's my passion. And God's saying, I've given every one of you a passion. You'll be good at it when you connect with the gift that I placed within you. Why does he want you good at it? Because he's placed that same passion in other people that don't know him yet. And he's gonna connect them with you through your gift and your passion. They're not interested in your church. They're interested in what they identify with in you. Come on, somebody. 
And they'll go fishing with you when they won't come to church with you. They'll work out with you when they won't come to church with you. They'll go to the beach with you when they won't come to church with you. And God's saying, I I want you to identify your gift. I want you to be purposeful with a gift that I place within you because I want you to make an impact in my kingdom. I want you to destroy darkness and declare light in the lives of people that won't come to your church, but they'll hang out with you. And when they hang out with you long enough and they meet Jesus, then they'll come to your church. You'll be good at it. Number two, when you identify your gift, you'll have opportunity to use it. God never gives you a gift without an opportunity and he's gonna put people in your path. Number three, you'll be energized by it. How many loves doing what you love to do? I mean, I listen to these guys doing all this CrossFit. They love that stuff. That's work to me, man. I love working out. I do the gym thing, but they kill themselves. They do. And, and then, but see, I'm that way about hunting. When I go hunting, I get in my stand before daylight. I don't come out until after dark. The other hunters, they come out for breakfast. They come out for lunch. They come out for dinner. They're not as passionate about it as I am. I'm 12 hours in the stand. I don't come down. I'm passionate about it. You see, when you're passionate about something, you're good at it. You love to do it. It's what drives you. But God put that drive in you so that you would be energized by it so you would have a life-giving flow inside of you that's gonna impact the people that surround you. Number three, or last of all, you have a capacity to develop into something great. You see, God put that gift inside of you so that you could do something great, that, that it's not just a hobby now to you, it becomes a ministry. That that hobby that you've got that you love to do and you're passionate about and you're very good at, and God's got other people around you, don't, don't listen. Here's what I'm trying to get to you today. Don't let it just be a hobby. You go to that hobby on purpose because you realize now that God put a gift inside of me that I'm supposed to use to impact his kingdom with. That now when I go work out, I'm intentionally going to work out more for the workout. I'm going to meet those people that are coming to work out with me that don't know Jesus yet. When I'm going to the movies with my small group, I'm going more for the movie to hang out with those people that don't know Jesus yet When I'm doing this passion, this gift, I'm really going because of the people, not because of the gift. The gift's just the means of introducing myself and Jesus to the people. Come on, y'all with me today? And when we connect with that passion, we connect with that gift, we make a difference in the kingdom and we start impacting people's lives. The second way that we do this, when we realize that the purpose of our gifts, number one, our talents and our passions, number two, is our tithes and our offerings. And don't worry if you're new today, I'm not a money preacher. I'm not after your dollar. Matter of fact, don't plan on giving a dime here today if you're new. But here's what I wanna tell you. I wanna help some of you understand what's really behind giving. And let me just go ahead and put it like this. I don't need your money today. if, If you're not a tither, we're not here to try to get your tithe. We operate this church very well in good stewardship. If one person, 10 people quit giving this church today, we're still going good. Because it's not about us getting your money, it's about you getting God's favor. And you identifying with what God is saying in his word. Here he says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tithe. What is that? The first, the first tenth. Bring the whole first tenth of your income into the storehouse. Where's that? Where you're fed the word every Sunday. That there may be food in my house. He's saying resources in the house. And the only time that God says test him is right here when it comes to our money Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
What God is saying is, I just want your first. I want you to honor me purposefully and intentionally with your giving. And when you give here on a Sunday morning, I'm just teaching as a pastor, I don't want you to just give and go, that's the right thing to do. I want you to give on purpose when the intent, knowing that we're gonna impact the kingdom with every dollar that you put in that offering plate. Because tomorrow, before any bills are paid, before any salaries are paid, our bookkeeper knows to take the first fruit, the first tenth off of whatever we all give today. The first tenth is coming off first thing in the morning before we even look to go, do we have enough to pay? We know we're gonna have enough to pay the bills because we're doing what's biblically right. And we're doing what we're teaching you to do individually. We do corporately and we take that first tenth off and it's going to Peru to build houses. And by the way, because of your tithe and because of your giving in July, we're sending some people with a mission trip to Peru and we're building houses for two families that are living in cardboard boxes right now. But because of your giving and that tenth that's been taken off the top, we've built up funds and every month we're sending money to Peru and to Vietnam and to Laos and to Africa and we're starting churches across America and we're feeding hungry across our city and we're going into schools and providing supplies and we're creating a haven for families with children with special needs that's very expensive and yet we've not come here and taken one special offering to do any of the above because we're taking that tenth off and we're doing what God says do with it and when we've done that he's made sure that we've had plenty in the storehouse of this church that I never have to come up here and beg for an offering to do what he's called us to do in the ministry because his word works corporately as much as it does individually. Can I tell you, we put over $200,000 in this building and in the haven in five months and we've not stood in this pulpit and had to take one special offering to do it. We haven't come begged you and pleaded with you when we come on church, we need another, we gotta raise another 10,000. No, we haven't had to do that one time, nor will we. Because when you connect with God's plan of giving and you do it with purpose, it affects the kingdom. And God, you got his attention and he said, test me and see if I won't give you more than you need. It's called God's word, folks. And what, I, what, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, and, and I've got folks right now that, that I have people nodding at me in the first service that, that they came to this church and they didn't understand tithing and we don't pressure you to tithe. I don't know who gives in this church. I've never looked and I never will. That way I can teach and preach and I don't worry about it. I, I don't look at who gives. Matter of fact, the only number I ask on Monday is how many people committed their lives to Jesus. I don't say how much was our offering or how many people did we have in attendance. I wanna know how many people got saved. Because if that number's healthy, the other two will be all right. But here, here's the thing that we've got to see is I'm teaching you when you do give in this church. We've had people that came that didn't understand it. and all, They met with me and they go, I don't get it. I go, I, I can't explain it to you. I just know it's biblical and it works. But here's all I tell you to do is try it. Just try it. And if it don't work, quit. That's pretty fair. But I hadn't had anybody quit that tried it. Because It works. Because it's biblical principles that God will open up the heavens and bless you and bless your family. But when you do give in this church, I want you to give on purpose. And don't just put money in the pan and go, well, I did what I was supposed to do. Going to heaven now, got God's favor. 
No, I want you to give on purpose going, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm giving today because you have blessed me. I'm giving today because I want to give back to you without pressure. I want to give into your kingdom. I want to sow into your kingdom, and I want to help make a difference in bringing people into your kingdom around the world. And when you give in this church, give on purpose and give intentionally. And then I want to look at number three, the purpose of our acts of kindness. First is our purpose of worship to honor God and secondly, is the, the purpose of our gifts is to impact the kingdom. But then the purpose of our acts of kindness, and that's to serve mankind. Matthew says, you are the world's light. You are the world's light. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That God's saying, I, I want you to be purposeful with acts of kindness, doing good deeds, acts of kindness. We've got our new cards at all of our lobbies out there, uh, something extra to show you that God loves you cards, that you just fill them in your pocket, put them in your car, put them in your wallet, and you take them with you, and you get in line at Walmart, and you pay for somebody's stuff, and you just hand them a, something extra to show you God loves your card. You get in Wendy's line and pay for the person behind you and tell the person at the window, just give them this card and tell them God loves them. It blows people's mind. But God's saying simple acts of kindness. And when we learn to be intentional with our simple acts of kindness, we're impacting the lives of other people. And we're making a difference in their lives. And there's three areas that I've used often, but I couldn't think of anything better to use. So I'm going to use them again. But there's three areas that I want you to be intentional with, with your acts of kindness. Number one is my people. My people. And, and who are they? Mark 5, 19, go home to your family and friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Who is that? That's the people in your sphere of influence that God put them there whether you like them or not. Some of those people that work with you that you wish to God he would move to Alaska, He's not, because he intentionally put you next to them so that you could be a light set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Some of that family lineage that you wish to God you were not a part of. That's my relative over there, but don't tell nobody. Now, God put you in that lineage because he wanted you to be the one that was gonna break that alcoholism and that addiction, break that stuff, break that curse, destroy it. God, put the people in your life today on purpose and you have been intentionally put there and so God wants you to become purposeful. He wants you to stop seeing them as your enemy and, their, and your nuisance and the person that's aggravating your life. God wants you to start seeing them as a victim of your enemy rather than your victim, your enemy and start impacting that world that God has given you. Start making a difference on purpose. You'd be amazed at the people that will melt when you start showing them compassion and love rather than hostility and distance. Yeah. I begin to realize that I reach into their world and there's a hurting person behind that stuff. 
God, help me to reach my people, my family, my friends. Number two is my place. My place. God has strategically placed you where you are in life on purpose. You live in Pensacola on purpose. Not a bad place to live anyway. Listed in the top 10 beaches in America. You live in paradise. But God puts you here on purpose. You live in a certain area of this city on purpose. You work at a certain job on purpose. You have a certain trade on purpose. You have a certain degree on purpose. You go to a certain college or school on purpose. You play a certain ball team and your children play on a certain ball team on purpose. You have certain trades and you shop at certain stores and you bank at certain banks because God put you there on purpose. He puts you in that line at Walmart on purpose because there's somebody in front of you or behind you that's hurting and needs the hope of Jesus. He puts you in that bank on purpose. He puts your child on that ball team or cheerleading squad on purpose to put you around families that won't come to your church. So he sent you to them on purpose so that we can impact people's lives with acts of kindness don't go preach to them telling them they're going to hell. They already know that, and everybody else in the church has already told them. They need me to love them as they are and show them acts of kindness that you don't have to change for me to care about you. Just be who you are, and I'm gonna love you like you are, and I'm gonna dump enough Jesus on you over time that you're gonna want him. You're gonna find out he's good. And that I realize that God has put me in the place that he's put me on purpose. Number three is my passion. My passion. He's put these people, my people. Then he's put my place. And then he's put my passions inside of me again. And we're repeating on purpose. Identify your passions and then make a ministry out of it. That's what we do with our small groups Pastor Brad will be coming in a moment and talk to you about a meeting tonight to, to just educate you on if you'd like to start a small group. And, and, and our small groups are this. We don't ask you to go start something you're not doing. We just say find something you already do that you love doing. If you work out, if you shop, if you go to movies, if you read books, if you crochet, if you fish, if you golf, if you hunt, if, if you like to pray, if you love to read the Bible story, whatever it is that you're passionate about and you already do anyway every week, then come to the meeting tonight and let's start a small group so that other people can come and do it with you. We bring people into your world and you into their world. You don't have to be a great leader. Just be somebody who'll show up every week for six weeks. Then it's over. But our passion, that we connect with our passion and we understand that God has placed this passion inside of me. And see, we... we, we uh, we messed up in the church and I was guilty for years that we thought church was bring as many people as you can in one big building and one person talks and they all listen and everybody goes home and everybody's gonna live a victorious life. And that didn't happen. We had the same people coming to get saved again every Sunday. It wasn't working. It wasn't working because that's not how Jesus set up the church. He set up the the Antioch church, he said that they met in the temple, but then daily they met house to house and they broke bread together and they fellowshiped together in small groups 
outside of the temple, and there the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Ministry did not take place in the temple. It took place in small groups. And people today don't want just your sermon. They want to know will you walk life out with them and will you help them along their journey. And today I want to encourage you to get your passion and find it on purpose. Okay, okay, okay God, you put me in this family. You put me and my, my friends on purpose. You put me where I live on purpose. You put me in these activities and jobs on purpose. And God, you put these passions inside of me on purpose. And I'm going to become purposeful. I, I'm going to become intentional and in identifying the people and the places that you put me every day. And I'm going to look for the people that you put into my path. And I'm going to make a difference in their life for the sake of the kingdom. Come on, somebody got to get an amen for that. And that's how we change people's lives. We, we've got so many people in this church that are in tattoos. They're into tattoos. They're trying to bribe me into getting one. But here, here's the fact. When Jabin was in the ICU, many of his nurses were tattooed out. One of them has sleeves. She said her whole back is from her neck all the way down past, all the way down. No more detail needed. And, and she got hurt in the church as a young girl and never been to church, never been back. And we have a man in this church that runs the tattoo parlor. He, he's an unbelievable tattoo artist. He's tattooed all the way down. Comes on a big old Harley. And he has a shop here in town. And a few months from now, I'm doing a series called Inked. Inked. And we're going to video in his tattoo parlor. And we're going to do a video on it. And we're going to challenge you to bring all of your tattooed friends to church. Because what other church is preaching on Inked? And, and we've invited these nurses to come and they're like, I ain't ready to come yet. But when you do that series, you let me know because I'm coming to a church that's going to preach on eight. So what am I doing? We're taking a passion of somebody in our church that's an artist and we're going to go reach a harvest of people with a passion. Now that don't mean you have to get a tattoo. Just invite a friend that has one that won't come to church otherwise. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? is that make the gospel relevant to people that are around us. Put some action with your faith and go impact some people and make a difference in the lives of others. God is looking. He's looking for people that will connect with our purpose. And my purpose isn't just church. That's part of it. My purpose is to make sure that I'm honoring God, that I'm impacting his kingdom, and I'm making a difference in the lives of the people that are around me every day through simple acts of kindness. And when we do those three, we will change a city for the glory of God in Jesus' name. You receive God's word today? You receive it? Bow your heads with me, please. Father, today, I pray over every person here today. I thank you for this body. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. God, we just pray today that you will touch us and help us. And God, I pray over every person that you will identify that gift that's within us today, Father. Those gifts that you place with those passions, God. Lord, and I pray that we become intentional. We become intentional, Father, with our worship, that we don't just come and go through a service. But Father, we're intentional with every moment of worship, God, that we're going to give you the best we can offer you. Father, that we're intentional, Father, as we operate and our gifts, and our passions, and our giving, and every aspect, Father, that we're intentional. We do it on purpose. 
and we do it with expectation. Father, that we, we are on purpose, God, as we operate in acts of kindness. God, that we can impact the lives of people around us, that they question religion, they question the church, they question the reality of God. But Lord, they can't question our love for them, the acts of kindness that we do for them. So God, I pray over us today as a church family that, Father, you will help every one of us. That God, we get out of our religion, step aside from all the religiosity and all the stuff. And Father, we just become real people in a real world, touching real people. So God, I pray over this house. I pray over every person. that God, you will encourage us. You will strengthen us. You will awaken us and you will empower us. God, to go out and make a difference. In Jesus' name. Well, every head's bowed. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I want to join the five, the five that in the nine o'clock service lifted a hand and said, I need Jesus in my life today. I'm not, I'm not a Christian yet. I don't know Jesus yet as my Savior. I know about him, but I know I'm not where I need to be with him. And today I want you to pray for me, Pastor, that Jesus would be the Lord of my life. Pray for me. If that's you right now and you say, I need Jesus in my life today, pray for me, Pastor. Would you lift a hand right where you sit? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Maybe online, via the web. I need Jesus in my life. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. I want to pray for you. And we're going to pray as a church family today. And I want you to pray with us as we pray with you so you don't feel alone. And just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you celebrate with heaven right now.